This is the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca, Toronto's news. Today's talk, 640 Toronto. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me for another episode of the Dating and Relationship Show on AM640. I'm your host, Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. How has social media impacted divorces and the way that things play out? Tonight, I'm going to be diving into this very relevant topic with Leanne Townsend. Leanne is an entrepreneur and attorney experienced in the areas of family law and domestic violence. Tonight, we're going to be discussing how social media can affect divorce, uh, things to keep in mind while you're going through one, and the repercussions that can come from what you post. Oh my goodness. <laughs> this is going to be a, an incredible show. Uh, Leanne, you know, she, this is not her first time being on the show. She is a veteran. I love her so much, but I haven't seen her in a while. So here she is. Thank you so much for joining us, Leanne. I know you're I'm so excited busy, to be so. here. No, yeah. thank you for having me. It's been a while and I've missed you. So I'm happy uh, to be back on. Oh, I'm so glad to, to have you on. Now, this is a really important topic. I don't think that people often pay enough attention to, you know, what they're posting on social media, and how it can really impact their life. So let's start off with what are some of the ways that social media can play a role in divorce? Um, well, it can definitely play a role in a number of ways. And you're quite right in saying that often people don't even think about it or, you know, or, or the impact it could have. And, you know, some of the issues that I see coming up with clients uh, are, um, you know, somebody posting bad things about their ex and, you know, they might call them names or they'll call them a narcissist or they'll post something about what's going on. And, you know, that can, those types of posts can actually be used in court against somebody. So, you know, someone needs to be mindful of that. Um, another thing that comes up a lot is with respect to children. And mm -hmm. people have very differing views sometimes on whether photos of children should be posted on social media. And some people are very protective and feel that Photos of children do not belong on social media at all under any circumstance. And then some people, you know, very actively share photos of their children. And, you know, and, and that comes up a lot where there's a parent who is a sharer and a parent who is really against it. And the courts tend to side with the parent who's against it and think that really there's no reason that somebody has to be sharing photos of their children on social media and there can be dangers you know, with that, with the, the internet world out there. So that's something that comes up. And then a third area that, you know, comes up is, you know, where somebody pays child support or spousal support and they're claiming they're in the poor house or they're behind in payments. And then they post a photo of themselves with their brand new car or on their vacation. And, you know, it rubs the other parent the wrong way. And, you know, that type of stuff can also be used uh, in court against somebody. Now, do you see this a lot? I mean, I, I would think so, especially like posting kids photos. Um, and I've seen it with friends. And so how long would it take uh, for this to be actually heard in a court system? Because like someone could be posting for an entire year. And that I mean, if I was the, the, the parent that was against that, that would drive me absolutely insane. Right. Because you, there's safety measures that you have to follow when it comes to posting kids photos. So so how long can it take for the courts to actually hear a, a case like that? 
Well, it could take a while. Um, usually the first step would be for the, the lawyer of the party who doesn't want the photos posted to write a letter to the opposing party saying, you know, look, um, my client has noticed, you know, is against photos of the children being posted on social media and asked that both parties agree not to do this. And, you know, often that will solve the situation. But if it doesn't, and the other person still keeps posting, to get it heard by a court, um, I mean, that could take six months, uh, four months, you know, it's, it's a long time. So, um, but somebody wouldn't be helping their cause if they've been already advised that the other parent is not in favor of this. And they just keep doing it and doing it and doing it. I don't think, you know, that that would impress a judge that they continue to do so in light of the other parent's wishes. So would they be charged in that case or how, what, what are the repercussions of that? Um, they wouldn't be charged because it's not a criminal offense. But in, in terms of in the family court, you know, it would go to their parenting. You know, is this person, look, you know, are they putting the best interests of their child first. And, you know, I think I don't see how under any scenario, really, it's in the best interest of a child to have their photo posted. So it, it would look, you know, like that parent maybe isn't as child focused as they should be. And if the parents are arguing about, you know, deci shared decision making or a parenting schedule, you know, it could go to, you know, those points and the parent having less time than they would have liked, because they're showing that they don't focus on the what's in the child's best interest. All right. And how about, I think when we talked on the phone, you mentioned something about spying. Do you want to talk yes. about that? <laughs> yeah, no, that's another good one. Um, you know, sometimes people do, they spy on their ex uh, through social media or, you know, maybe they have, if they're blocked or unfriended or something, they may have a mutual friend who is, you know, providing some information and, um, you know, that can often lead to a lot of conflict. Um, you know, it can lead to conflict where there's a new partner on the scene and somebody's seeing photos of, of that. It can lead to conflict about um, how are the children being cared for, you know, if they're seen in a, in a way that seems unsafe or unclean or, you know, different things like that, then that can work against somebody. Um, it's often more like the jealousy thing of, you know, the new partner and they're on a vacation and I, you know, they're seeing their new partner on this vacation with this really good looking, you know, uh, the, the, the really good looking new partner, they're seeing their ex and it enrages them and, you know, causes them to, to fight. But like, I mean, so many people are, are such great FBI agents nowadays. I mean, I mean, if I'm spying on someone, <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I don't know if my ex would ever know, like, how would you prove that, that they're spying? You know, um, that would be something I, hard to prove. It, it would be hard to prove. I mean, I guess, you know, if you have, if you have a public social media page, then, you know, you can't really accuse someone of spying because it's a public page. Anyone can go to it. Um, you know, so I, I think that in the spying thing, I mean, it's also not illegal or anything like that. So it's only going to go so far, but it's more like an accusation that's just going to like annoy the other party. Um, you know, you're spying on me. Um, and, you know, because some people just want to fight, right? Like they don't want to give it up. They just want to keep fighting. Ugh. So it gives something to fight about. 
you know what, you must be exhausted sometimes at the end of the day, just taking in that negative energy sometimes like, girl, you must meditate. I don't know how you release <laughs> all that energy. But maybe you can, you know, if we have enough time at the end of the show, you can give us some of your tips. Because I like kudos to you, girl, like, I don't know, I would be exa- I used to like my run events. But I remember when I used to run like four events a week, you know, I, I or five, like I was exhausted just from taking in all that energy from seeing all those people. So, and it wasn't negative. So I, I, I felt like I was, you know, run over by a truck in the morning. I'd be like, I feel like I got run over, <laughs> you know? No, so it's hard. I mean, it's, there's a lot of negative energy and, and I'm an empath by nature. So I take in that energy and, you know, that's one of the, the challenges of the job. And, you know, the other piece of it too, like I'm divorced myself. So I know what happened with my ex and how we've dealt with things. So I find sometimes when people get really petty, and they're really into this fighting, you know, I just want to like say, Oh, come on, like, you know, this is ridiculous, you're spending more money paying me to, to help you fight about this. And it's so petty. Um, and, you know, when people aren't focused on their children, that's really upsetting to me, you know, when I see people so caught up in the fight, that the children are suffering and you try to get through to your client about that, it, that can be very hard because sometimes people, it's not that they intend to lose track of what's best for their children, but they're just so angry and upset. They unintentionally stop focusing on their children and just get caught up in the emotions of the fighting. Yeah. And I've seen it, you know, and parents really, really, you know, need to take themselves out of the driver's seat and really focus on their kids and what the repercussions are, you know, and what they can be in the future. So what are the repercussions, though, of someone using social media negatively in a divorce? Let's talk about that. Yeah. So, I mean, it, again, it's not like a criminal offense. So it's not okay. like you can, you know, call the police and say, hey, you know, my ex is posting photos. Unless <laughs> I'm sure that's happened, it. Leanne. I'm sure that's happened. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it has too. You know, again, it just reverts back to the family court and the judge is going to say, you know, is this parent putting the best interest of the child first by posting photos of them? And really the answer is no. So if you're arguing about, I, I don't want to use the words custody and access, but I'm going to because people know those terms, but it's really decision-making and parenting schedule. Um, it'll come into play on those things as it'll show your parent that isn't putting your child's best interest first. Mm-hmm. And what about defamation? Is that, um, you know, one of the, could that be one of the repercussions, like charging someone with defamation? Um, well, defamation is definitely uh, an issue if you're say- if you're bad mouthing somebody and saying things that aren't true. It's not a criminal offense, but you could be sued civilly. Um, you know, if you've damaged someone's reputation. I mean, as we all saw with the the whole Johnny Depp Amber Heard thing. So if you're you know if you're speaking out in a public way about your ex, um, you could be sued for quite a bit of money, depending on you know the damage that you've caused. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break. And after the break, we're going to be discussing how you can handle your ex using social media against you. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellata from singleinthecity.ca. 
Toronto's News. Today's Talk, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show on AM640. It's Sunday night. I'm your host, Laura Bellotta, joined by my guest, Leanne Townsend. She is a family lawyer, and I love her. Uh, We're getting back to our chat on dealing with your ex posting on social media during divorce. But we're going to get into that. But before that, I want to talk about, you know, some of the social media do's and don'ts when you're divorcing. What do you need to keep in mind? Well, I think it's important to keep in mind that less is better. Um, You know, there's no need to be in a, you know, in a public way like social media, sharing details of your divorce sharing things about your children, speaking badly about your ex. There's just really no need to do that. And it can be used against you if you do. So I always advise clients, um, don't post things uh, about your ex ever. Um, You know, because you also have children. Like what, you know, if you're posting bad things about your children's mother or father, how is that good for your children? How is that in their best interests? And Um, But a lot of people, you know, they join, there's these Facebook groups out there where, you know, it's a bunch of people who just complain about their divorce and their ex. And it's not necessarily a public group, it could be a private group, but it's still just not good to be sharing that kind of information, Um, particularly when you're still going through the legal process and you haven't settled. Because if your ex finds out that you're saying these things, um, you know, it's probably going to make them angry and it could cause them to take a a more challenging position or a more conflict ridden position on something, you know, because you're losing any goodwill to try and negotiate an agreement. Um, And so it does nothing helpful to the process. And I always say, like, if you need to vent, just, you know, vent to a friend, get a therapist, get a coach, but, but don't do it on social media where, it could, you know, it could be harmful and it could be used against you. Yeah. You, you just, you look like a disgruntled ex and that's not attractive. And it just shows a lack of maturity, I think. <laughs> now, no, when I it com- agree. Right? Yeah. yeah. And so, especially if you're looking for love again, okay, just don't do it. Um, and you shouldn't be looking for love if you're that angry. I think you should be getting some help and therapy for sure. Um, exactly. So when it comes to social media, you have control over what you're posting, but you know, not what everyone else does, you know? So if you're worried about your ex speaking out about your divorce proceedings or trying to tarnish your image, are you able to actually stop them from posting things? And, and how do you do it if, if you are? Um, you know, possibly you could, you would have to get an injunction, which is a, a civil remedy. Um, And I'm not a civil litigator. So I don't know all the ins and outs of getting an injunction. But it is a remedy that, you know, would be available if you think someone's going to post something um, that's, you know, very personal, and there's no reason for them to be posting it. So that could be a proactive thing you can get before they go ahead and post. Um, And, you know, the defamation route is always something too. if somebody posts something, and it's not true, for example, um, defamation. What if, what if what it is true? true? Um, well, then then it's not defamation because oh, a, tr- a, def- okay. a, a defense to defamation is that it's true. But I mean, then you get into things like privacy interests. And, and you know, I think under civil law and with civil litigation, there would be remedies there for breach of privacy 
um, you know, like certain things to do with somebody's, you know, health and personal, personal, you know, personal health and well-being, um, you know, that um, it shouldn't be something that's, you know, shared, even if it is true. So there's definitely remedies within, you know, civil litigation that you can sue somebody and get damages for something like that. Um, but, you know, the sad part with that is like once it's shared, you know, even if you get money, like sometimes the damage is done, right? Like you didn't mm-hmm. something very personal that you didn't want people to know. Money may not compensate you, you know, sufficiently for, for what's happened. So that's, that's yeah. one problem. Great advice. Okay. Uh, do controlling exes use this as a way to, to further control while they're going through this in, in, in your mind? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, there's exes out there who want to control everything that the other person is doing. And I mean, that can work two ways with social media. It can be that they're trying to control what they're posting or not posting, but it could also be something where they're, you know, again, spying or following to kind of see what their ex is doing and um, trying to use that as a way to exercise control by butting into the other person's life in a way and, you know, monitoring it and things like that. So it it can be used, you know, in both those aspects, I think, for somebody who's controlling. You know, it's amazing how many people still try to control their ex after the divorce. It's like, we're not together anymore. You can't tell me what to do. (laughs) No, but you must see it often. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I have clients where, you know, they're, they're divorced and they're still contacting me, um, you know, with stuff that's going on. And, you know, and, and people who have that personality type, right, where they're controlling and they use, you know, power and coercion to get what they want, you know, their ex in their mind is still their property in a sense, even though they're an ex. And, you know, especially if there's children involved, um, you know, they want to control the ex you know, as a way of also having control over the children when the children are are with the ex. So that can definitely be a problem. Do you have any examples of things that you've seen over the years and uh, maybe some of the things that we can learn from them? Um, Yeah, I mean, I've seen some crazy stuff posted on social media. Um, I remember one situation where um, the other party had a a license plate. So this isn't even social media, but they had a license plate that um, said X in trunk. Um, And, and, you know, this person had kids and everything. And, you know, I thought, wow, like, that's just, you know, terrible that you would be driving around in a car saying that and you have children. Um, But the same types of things on social media, like I'll, I'll find, you know, somebody will, I've had situations where the other parties posted that, you know, my client, is a drug addict and is a you know an unfit parent and you know and it's not true and um, you know had to you know again the client will get screenshots of it because that's that's the thing is you want to get screenshots before you you know let the other side know that you're aware of this and ask them to take it down um, and you know so th- I've seen that type of thing I've seen people just going off in Facebook groups you know, everyone loves to diagnose their ex as a narcissist. So there's everybody's a narcissist everywhere. Yeah, with that, you know, speaking everywhere uh, um, about how their ex is, you know, a narcissist, even though they're not 
in, they're not a psychologist and, you know, have, don't, can't diagnose it. So, you know, that's a big one um, that I see a lot of, I hate to say, particularly women, they love to share their story and they refer to their ex as a narcissist and they'll speak publicly, you know, all about it. Yeah. And, you know, because I know that you know a lot about narcissists, but did you know, is it 1% or 5% of the population are narcissists? Not as many as we think, you know, it's a real condition, no. but I feel that a lot of us have, you know, a little bit of narcissism in us, you know, um, but For sure. yeah, so it's healthy think, narcissism. That That's what, you know, I've heard of is healthy narcissism. What's healthy narcissism? Is there such thing? Um, <laughs> there, yeah, there is such thing, which is where, um, you know, we all need to have a little bit of ego, you know, I think to have success in, in life. So that's more kind of what healthy narcissism is, is, you know, you, you've got a little bit of ego and confidence about me. yourself. That's me then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, like I'm a healthy narcissist. <laughs> I think it's true, though, like there is a I mean, and I'm actually repeating something that a, a therapist had said to me that there is healthy narcissism. So I'm not just like, making it up out of the blue, somebody, you know, with qualifications in psychology, you know, had said to me, there's healthy narcissism. And, but I do think people, you know, anytime someone is selfish or self centered, we're, we're calling them narcissists. And you know, it's all it's the, you know, all over social media, it's like one of social media's favorite terms is, you know, narcissists and narcissistic abuse. And the sad thing is that if you're really if you're really dealing with a true narcissist and and having you know being that type of abuse being inflicted on you it's terrible and it's an awful thing and i feel that it's it's sad that we've kind of watered down what it really is because everyone thinks their ex is a narcissist mm -hmm. you know well I, I haven't seen a lot of people bashing their exes on social media but maybe i'm not looking for it but I haven't seen a lot of it. So but I'm sure I mean, you're that's your field, right? So you must see it all the time. Because uh, yeah, I see a lot of it. Um, complaining you know, people, to yeah, pe well, people, that's one of the first things most people say when I see my initial consultation is that my ex is a narcissist. And I, you know, I just, you know, to me, I just want to listen, like whether they're a narcissist or not doesn't necessarily matter if they're abusive in some way. I mean, I think somebody can still be verbally abusive or just not a nice person and they may not be a narcissist but they're still inflicting pain and you know in some way on my client because they're just not a nice person and they say mean things so that's what matters to me whether it's narcissist or just they're you know a jerk or whatever it, it doesn't we don't necessarily have to put a term on it so, so in future if someone calls me a narcissist I'm just gonna say hey I'm a healthy narcissist <laughs> exactly <laughs> look it up Look That's it up. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, let's, okay, this is a big one. All right. Um, let's talk about the children now. So do you think the kids should have a voice in divorce? I mean, and do their wishes really matter? Like, first of all, let's start with that. Should kids have a voice in divorce? Because I've seen uh, families where the children want to live with one parent. They don't want to live with the other parent, but they have to. They don't, you know, and I, I believe, isn't it 12 years old where you can start making your own decisions? And what about, let's, well, let's clarify that. And then do you think children uh, that are, you know, younger than that, do you think that they should have a voice when it comes to divorce? What do you think? It's a complicated issue. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I do think that children should have a voice at some level and the 
the, the courts recognize that the family law, you know, bar in the family law system recognizes that and there are mechanisms for it. Um, but one of the things, you know, you have to look at is, is the age of the child, as you mentioned, though, there's no hard and fast rule about what that age is where a child, you know, should have a voice, but, you know, generally uh, the older the child is, you know, they're more, they're able to articulate their voice. You know, a two-year-old is not really, you know, if they're mad at mom or dad, mommy or daddy, they'll, you know, they'll have a lot to say, but it's not going to be the same as a, as a 12-year-old or mm-hmm. a 14-year-old. So older children, you know, their voice does tend to be heard more. And there's something called uh, voice of the child reports that can be, the parents can have um, someone who's trained in doing those. It's usually someone with a social work background who interviews the children and prepares a report articulating what the child's wishes are. And there's also the office of the children's lawyer that gets involved in some cases for that same purpose as well, to be a voice for the children. Um, And, you know, the reality is if you have an older child, the the saying is the legs do the walking. So, you know, if you have a 14 or 15 year old who doesn't want to be at mom's house, they'll, you know, they can get on the TTC, or they can walk, or they can ride a bike, or, you know, they can really get around themselves to go to the other parent. So that can be, you know, definitely an issue with children of a certain age. Now, do do kids actually sometimes have to testify in court? I'm assuming, and and that could, what do you think, that could be pretty damaging for, for the child, wouldn't you think? Yeah, I mean, I haven't, they rarely have to testify because the courts know that, you know, they shouldn't be put in that position. And that's why we have these voice of the child reports and the office of the children's lawyer, you know, to help be their voice and be the, be the, the voice in court. Um, you know, one of the issues that unfortunately happens too is there's this whole thing called parental alienation. So, you know, sometimes you have children who don't want to go to the other parent's house, but it's because the parent with the other parent has completely alienated them from that parent. And so the courts have to be very careful about those types of situations and not just accepting a child's voice at face value. If, if there may be alienation going on. Again, selfish parents that uh, are not looking out for the best interest of their children. We're going to take another quick break. When we come back, we're going to continue our chat about social media and how it affects your children. Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca. Toronto's News, today's talk, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show on AM640 with myself, Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca, my special guest, family lawyer, Leanne Townsend. We are discussing how to handle social media and your children while going through a divorce. Now, Leanne, what about kids posting on social media and having different rules in each parent's house? I've seen this as well. Some parents are like, oh, yeah, you can have a TikTok account. The other parent's like, no, you can't. Uh, Yeah, you can have a TikTok account and it can be open. The other person's like, well, maybe you can have a TikTok account, but it better be locked and private. So uh, I can see this as a problem, right? But uh, how can you deal with it if, if you're a parent in this situation? 
Well, it definitely is a problem. And, you know, I think we actually saw it play out with uh, Kim Kardashian and Kanye West because Kim had North had a TikTok account and Kanye didn't like it. And he was but he was posting all kinds of crazy stuff on his Instagram about it. So he was kind of like doing a lot of the don'ts on social media himself with posting things about Kim and her parenting with, you know, the North, the daughter. So, you know, that's actually a really interesting case on the topic that we're on. Um, But yeah, I mean, it is a problem because different parents have different rules. And, you know, again, it's all about the best interests of the child and child safety. And um, I think most people would agree that, you know, children under 12, you don't need to have a first of all, I don't even know why they would need to have a social media account. But if they did, it should be private. Um, I think it's I think it's because of school. There's so much pressure. Um, but it can also be very damaging. You know, I, I know, I mean, can, some kids have, have committed suicide because of social yeah. media, but some of the hate and some of the bullying and, and having, you know, some of these kids are like wearing eyelashes and putting on all this makeup at like the age of 10 and 11. And just, you know, feel like you have to live up to that as a child. And it can be very stressful. I mean, I know as a child, all I wanted to do was play sports, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was worried about makeup and hair and my wardrobe. I think social media for kids can be so damaging. And let me tell you, Leanne, like if I wasn't hosting radio shows, if I wasn't, you know, a dating coach, international dating coach, matchmaker and all this and run like a successful dating business, I probably wouldn't be on social media often because it can kind of is a pain in the butt, you know, like, and I know that you, cause you're constantly posting as well, but I feel like, it just takes away from the moment, you know, where where you can be at a place of a friend's house, you could be on vacation, you're like, Oh, stop, stop, I have to, you know, take a video of this, a photo of this. And then the people that you're with sometimes get so annoyed, because like, why are you doing that? And it's, I have to explain to them, listen, it's part of my job. This is what I do for a living, you know, but I wouldn't be doing it so much if I didn't have to. So it's sad that these children are growing up in the society where they feel so much of this pressure to have to have social media accounts where they just want to be kids. Yeah. You know, no, I, I agree. I think that, you know, it, it can be very negative, but as you touched on, like all their friends have it, you know, so mm-hmm. that's where, you know, like Snapchat and TikTok, like those are the things that, you know, they're the most popular social media platforms for children. But I do think it's important for parents to to monitor it, um, you know, and, and, and know what their children are posting and who, you know, I know with my own children, I have always educated them about keeping their accounts private and not accepting, you know, um, friendships or, you know, messages from people they don't know. And I'm, you know, as a parent, I'm very careful about my own account. Like I very seldom post photos of my own children, especially when they were younger. But it's for that reason, because I have a public, uh, you know, on Instagram, I have a public page. And as much as, you know, some people who know me on social media would probably love to see lots of family stuff going on. I don't post it because I don't want my, my children are 18 and 20, um, you know, now, but, you know, I don't think it's, it's a good thing for, for children's photos to be all over the internet. Um, and, you know, I think it's important that parents do have, you know, you don't just let your children do whatever they want with social media. There has to be some monitoring and parents need to try and come together 
and agree on a consistent approach between households. Because what you don't want is, you know, just open season on at one house and then no, you're not allowed on social media at all on at the other house. There has to be some level of consistency for children. Uh, so it's important that parents try and work that out. Mm-hmm. I Whenever I take photos, well, I don't often do it, but if I've ever taken photos of my friend's kids, I always ask them, you know, is this okay yeah. to share? Like I, I often, well, I will also ask my friends, like, is this, you know, is this picture okay to share? Cause I've shared things before. They're like, take that down. Right. And then it ruins <laughs> the whole post. So I, I always ask first, you always have to be respectful of other people, you know, Yeah. before, you know, putting them on social media, for example. So, um, okay. So what if your ex's new partner, <laughs> new partner, mm-hmm. right. Uh, who shouldn't have a say, but is sharing photos and videos, uh, with your children publicly and you're just not comfortable with it. Yeah, no, I mean, then I think, you know, you should shut that down and that's something, you what know, if they're like, no, to- I'll do what I want. I'll do what I want. Well then, you know, again, I, I think you'd have to get, bring it into, a court and and have a judge deal with it and a judge would shut that down in a second so you know the person who's doing it would probably have to pay the legal costs for you know the other party even because it's just there's no reason for that at all and no, no one is going to no legal person you know no one in the legal system is going to support that now how long could it take um for a proceeding like that to even be heard I mean, it could take a long time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it could take, I mean, it it could take six months, you know, four months possibly. Oh, that's Um, not bad. Four months isn't bad. Yeah. I mean, if, if you, it depends on where you're at in the legal process. If you're just starting, that's where it's going to take longer. If you're already involved, you could bring a motion much quicker and, you know, get an order that the person can't do that. Um, And that would, you know, then they would be in contempt of a court order if they were to do it. So um, again, it just sort of depends on where you're at in the legal process. Yeah. One quick question before the break. Do uh, proceedings that involve children get heard a little quicker? They do get prioritized. I mean, unfortunately, the system is so backlogged and COVID didn't help um, that even, you know, where there's urgent children's issues, it still can take a long time to go through. Um, if, if somebody's like going to abduct a child or, you know, something like that, then you'll get an urgent hearing or if a parent isn't being allowed to see their child at all, then you'll get a very quick hearing. But short of those types of situations, it, you know, it just because children are anxious because they're caught in the middle of the conflict, that's not going to, you know, that could still take six months to get heard. Okay. Thank you so much for all that. We're going to be right back, guys. It's time for one quick last break. And um, when we come back, we're going to be discussing family law and how it has been changing. We'll be back. Relationship show with Laura Galata from singleinthecity.ca, Toronto's news. Today's talk, 640 Toronto. It's Sunday night, guys. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show on AM640 with me, Laura Galata, and uh, my special guest tonight is Leanne Townsend, family lawyer. We're getting back to our discussion on family law and divorce. Okie dokie. All right. So, whether you followed it or not, 
you know, it was really hard not to get wrapped up in the the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard trial. <laughs> so <laughs> has this had any effect on family law? What do you think? I mean, it may be too soon to have an effect, but are are you seeing any um, changes or what are you seeing? I think it's interesting. I, I mean, I do think that that case, um, you know, it's certainly having, it's opening up conversations and things like that. And I think the two sort of main directions coming out of it that I see is one, whether domestic violence victims are going to be afraid to come forward for fear of being sued for defamation, because um, I know lots of people out there who are victims and they like, they get re-victimized when they share their story because the ex, you know, threatens to sue them for defamation. And even though truth is a defense, um, who wants, you know, if people don't have the money to get a lawyer and be involved in a, a lawsuit like that. I mean, that was a very expensive lawsuit. So I do have concerns that it could affect, um, you know, people coming forward for fear of being sued. But on the positive note, um, I actually think that the case may be helpful for male victims of domestic violence because, you know, there are definitely men who are victims of domestic violence. And I think that they've often felt unheard or unsupported or laughed or scoffed at. And I think to see someone as, you know, well-known as Johnny Depp and Johnny Depp is seen as a you know, um, an alpha male type of person um, and see that someone like him could have been a victim of domestic violence, I think might help more men come forward and feel like, hey, if it happened to Johnny, um, you know, it's, it is happening to me and I'm going to speak about it. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's troublesome, you know, like, and it's horrible because I've seen cases I of people where, an argument happens, there's a lot of back and forth, maybe there is a bit of domestic violence, Uh, maybe the female started it, but then when the police show up, they instantly arrest the guy. (laughs) Right? It's like, no matter what, it's like, you're going to jail. So you must see that a lot. Yes, and it's troublesome. Like I, you know, I have some situations where I have a male client, and we're concerned that the, the female might fabricate something. And so, you know, I always tell him, like, don't ever be alone with her um, in a room, like, don't, you know, just don't leave yourself open to, you know, any sort of allegation. A lot of times people have now started video videotaping, you know, with their phones, um, when they're having arguments or conversations, so that, you know, there's a record of what happened. And while the courts don't really like people videoing each other all the time, it it does provide a record. And if you're being accused of something you didn't do, it could be, you know, the the thing that helps you avoid a charge in the first place, or certainly, you know, gets a charge dropped or, you know, dismissed down the road. So, you know, that is very important. Um, And there are a lot of situations where they're hitting, like, kind of like Amber Heard and Johnny Depp, I guess, in, in my view, is they're abusing each other. You know, I think that's unfortunately, sometimes, that's the dynamic of certain relationships. And, you know, in those cases, it can be harder to determine who is the primary aggressor. Yeah. And just because you're a female does not mean that you can put your hands on your partner or any male, right? If he's not putting his hands on you, I mean, I, you, you know, regardless, you shouldn't be lashing out. And uh, just because you're a woman doesn't mean that you should get away with it either. Um, no. <laughs> and I've also seen 
in the last year, it's funny that you mentioned that the videotaping, because I've seen couples where they've actually put up video cameras in the house because of that. And uh, the females, you know, once they got aggressive, you know, they got arrested because of it. So, so if you uh, take video footage, you're able to use that in court, right? As evidence. Yes, you can. As okay. I say, like the courts don't always like it, but the reality is that, you know, it's the best record sometimes of what actually happened in, in a he said, she said situation. And um, so it can have important evidence. So what can we learn from the a trial and how they handle things? I mean, a trial is seeking to get at the truth of, you know, what happened. Um, Oftentimes, you know, though in family law, we have what I call he said, she said. So he says one thing, she says another. And a judge, you know, there's no absent any other evidence. Um, A judge kind of, you know, I think can throw up their arms in the air and say, I don't know who to believe. He says she's abusive. She says he's abusive. We don't, you know, there's no photos of any injuries. No one's been charged criminally. Um, there's, you know, there's nothing else other than what they're saying. And so a judge may just decide, let's just not even focus on any of that. And, and, and the, the thing is, too, you always have to be focused on what the, the family law issues like abuse doesn't necessarily abuse doesn't affect, um, you know, something like child support, child support is going to be what it is, whether someone's being abused or not, but it can be relevant to parenting. Um, and so, you know, if it's relevant to issues that are actually live in the matter, then a judge is going to want to hear about it. But if it's not relevant, then we don't even need to go into that. Yeah. Oh, Leanne, thank you so much, you know, for being a part of the show today. Uh, thank you again for all of those listening. Um, if you're going through a divorce, you might want to think twice about what you post on social media. Hopefully you were able to gain some clarity tonight um, with our special guest, Leanne Townsend. So Leanne, how can people uh, learn more about you, you know, contact you, that sort of thing? They can visit my website, which is www.leannetownsend.ca, and all of my contact information is there. Um, as you know, I'm also active active on social media, very, despite my comments very. about social media today. So you can find me on Instagram at Leanne Townsend Life, and uh, I'm also on Facebook and LinkedIn. Yeah, we were having this conversation yesterday. She's like, I don't know. I was telling her about TikTok because I'm active on there. I'm official Laura Balot on TikTok. She's like, I don't know. Like, I feel like I have to be on there. I'm like, listen, girl, you're too busy. You don't need it. <laughs> you don't need TikTok. You're doing well without it. Uh, if you guys want to learn more about me as well, again, on Instagram, uh, TikTok, official Laura Balotta. And uh, also check out singleinthecity.ca if you're looking to get hooked up, if you're looking for any coaching you know, to help you attract the love that you deserve. Thank you once again, everybody, for tuning in, and we'll see you next Sunday. Ciao for now.